I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Say, uh, folks, try to calm down, will you? Just just, just try to calm down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to, to make people calm down, but I'll tell you, I'm being, I'm being overwhelmed with uh, with defeatist and fatalistic emails to the point that I said, what's the point of coming back? Well, you people, uh, look, I understand it. And and it, it's it's frustrating as I was trying to give you a an alternative way to look at this, which I've been doing for 30 years, but I have to do it each and every day. Such is the power of the drive-by meeting. Anyway, great to be back, folks. Thank you for your patience. The telephone number, if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushmoe at eibnet.us. Let me just share with you a couple. Oh, before that, these clowns running this stupid zone in Seattle have changed the name. It's not Chaz. They got rid of Chaz. Chaz was the uh, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Sounds like an auto parts store. Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. It's, it's now the... Hang on. Just what the... It's now the uh, the uh, Capitol Hill occupied protest. Chop, exactly right. Chop. The Capitol Hill occupied protest. I guess Capitol Hill autonomous zone. Not enough members know what that means. Uh, and so they had to they had to name it after what they're doing in order to keep the ranks loyal. Hey man, we're not doing autonomous. We're protesting here, dude. We're pro. Oh, okay. So they've named it Chop now, which is also what happens to cars that they steal. Um, which is not the only thing they're stealing out there. Okay, let me share with you a couple of uh, of emails. Dear Rush, I have many friends. Many friends who are dispirited and feel hopeless about Trump's re-election. They're all watching too damn much news on television. They are overwhelmed with indoctrinating newscasts, yet they they fully realize the Democrat Party has gone insane. But they can't seem to turn it off like you've advised them to do. They can't turn it off, and it's demoralizing them like I've never seen or heard before. 
and, and that they can't they can't make the connection that if they know the Democrats are insane, then likely half or more of the country knows the Democrats are insane. Look, this is a unique phenomenon. It is a phenomenon that I have noticed over the course almost of the entirety uh, that I've been doing this show. The best way to illustrate it is I get a phone call from somebody who will point out an outrageous example of media bias anywhere, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, whatever, and they will think they're the only person that saw it. And therefore, they got to tell me about it so that I tell everybody else. They are the only person that saw it. In other examples, they're the only person that figured out it was biased. Everybody else is getting fooled by it. And I've tried, I've tried to make the claim, you're not alone. Whatever you think you're the only one seeing, trust me, you're not by any stretch of the imagination the only one seeing it. Talking about the, the rampant, whatever you want to call it, unfairness, bias, activism, whatever is, is what you're noting that's dispiriting you and making you mad in the media, everybody's noticing it. The problem is that everybody thinks nobody else is noticing it and that they're getting away with it. And one of the reasons you think they're getting away with it is because they keep doing it. Logic says that if it weren't working, they would stop doing it. But since they keep doing it, you think it must be working. No, folks, there's no journalism happening here. You're watching pure 100% extremist activism. When you think you're watching the news, when you think you're watching the media, it's it's a tough thing, uh, I know. You know, b- b- before I missed last week, one of the one of the points I was making was to me that all of this, and it still remains the case, that everything you're watching is Democrat Party failure. Who is mad? Who's blowing up cities? Who's running the cities? The Democrats. Democrats who live in these cities are mad at the Democrats who run these cities because the Democrats who run these cities are not fixing anything. The Democrats run the police forces. Most of the police chiefs in these cities are black. Most of the assistant chiefs are black. Many of the mayors are black in some of these blue states and blue cities. Why are there problems? These people have promised to fix it all. They haven't fixed anything. The worst place a Democrat can be is in a Democrat-run city or a Democrat-run state. Now, to me, it is, it is patently obvious that the Democrats are one false promise after another, that they cannot fix what they promised to fix, that they haven't fixed what they promised to fix in 50 years, And so what they've become experts in is offloading the perception of the problem to Republicans. To you, to me, it's our fault. It's our problem. And why? Because of white supremacy. There isn't any white supremacy. 82% of people who immigrate to this country are, are people of color. How can that happen in a country that is white supremacist? It simply can't. There are other countless examples I mean, if I wanted to, I could point out Oprah, the wealthiest and most popular television personality in America. How does that happen in a white supremacist 
country. Now, you, uh, Rush, you can't say, yes, I can, because the black population is 13%. It's not enough to make Oprah Winfrey a billionaire. It's not enough to give her number one audience ratings for however many years she did her show. She needed the white audience for that to happen. She needed white business partners and a white audience for her to become a billionaire. That doesn't happen in a white supremacist country. But this is now being spread around and everybody's believing it. And it's a shame. It's a shame because people are being guilted into feeling guilty. And it isn't going to change anything. It's not going to improve things that people think have been broken by white supremacy or white privilege. White privilege is a, is a, is a, is a failed concept. White privilege. Let's talk about white. White privilege is exemplified best by who? Elite white liberals. Hollywood, Silicon Valley, New York, Boston. Where do they live? They live in communities by themselves. The real white supremacy and the real white privilege is not found in the American middle class, which is being blamed for it every day here. The real white privilege in this country is being practiced every day by white American liberals who refuse to send their kids to public schools or where African-American kids are going, no way, ain't going to do it, Jose, not sending my kids to those dilapidated schools. Those for other people. It's not the white middle class. The white middle class doesn't have the power to do 90% of what they're being accused of doing. But white, rich liberals who run all of these blue states and cities where all of these problems are taking place, how in the world can any of this be an argument for the Democrat Party in a sane world? Uh, but Rush, but Rush, what about defunding the police? Stuff? Yeah, oh, now you notice that the Democrats are running around. Nobody wants to defund the cops. The hell they don't. They do want to defund the cops. They got caught. You can't win a national election defunding the cops. But they do indeed want to do this because they are doing it in certain of these places. And again, it is rich white, privileged liberals who are going to make that happen because they are pandering. But I'll guarantee you this, whatever they do with the police department and funding will not impact negatively their security or their safety. It never does. They have their own security. They have their own police force. may not be called a police force, but they have their own ways of protecting themselves, primarily of where they choose to live and work. So I, you know, I understand, I understand the, uh, I don't know, panic. But there are there are all kinds of contraindications. Uh, excuse me, here just a second, folks. I've got uh, just I got to blow my nose, and I'm not going to let you hear it. Hang on. Okay, um, there are all kinds of contraindications out there that this is not a majority opinion. But I'll tell you something before I move on to those as examples. I've also received emails. And this is going to make some of you mad out there, and I'm sorry I can't help it. Not trying to. I'm getting emails from people who are Christian, who are going to church, 
and their pastors are telling them, we got to own up to this. We got to pay reparations and we got to do, we got to admit that we've been guilty of white supremacy and we've been guilty of white privilege. And they are livid. They don't think they have been. They're Christians. They're religious people. They think they've been the epitome of charitable. They don't, they don't like being dumped on them, but their pastors are doing it. Some of them, not all. And all that is, is the path of least resistance. And I understand that, too, because these people don't just shout words at you. They're threatening to beat you up. They're threatening to beat you upside the head and do whatever other kind of physical damage to you they can. Think about this. And and by the way, I've had a lot of people mention this to me. This is never going to work, but I'm going to mention it to you. Rush, if armed right-wingers took over six square blocks of a city, think about how that would be covered by the media. We know how it'd be covered by the media. It ain't going to change anybody's perception of what's happening now. How many of you think that a majority of Americans are okay with this thing now called CHOP? How many of you think that, hey, that's fine if they want to do that, and if the mayor's fine with it, that's cool? You know what alarms me more than anything about any of this, folks? I'll be flat out honest with you. What alarms me about what is, and it's, it's, it's bothered me for most of the years I've been doing this program. There is yet to be any pushback on this. And by pushback, I mean average ordinary citizens who are being affected by this stuff are just letting it happen. They're not pushing back against it. And so they are ceding, C-E-D-I-N-G, they are ceding territory to these people. And everybody watches that happen. If there's no pushback, then you're going to feel alone. And I've, frankly, I've been waiting for 30 years, 25 years for there to be pushback. Not only is there not pushback, there isn't, there, the, the few who do pushback don't get defended by very many people. I have made it a point and I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm trying to be illustrative here. I have made it a point whenever anybody on my side decides to try to push back against the Democrats, against the left, against the media, and when they get assaulted and attacked, I am right in there defending them, whether I know them or not. And the first person I did that for was Clarence Thomas when they tried to destroy him after he was nominated to be an associate justice on the Supreme Court by George H.W. Bush. I didn't know Clarence Thomas. I never met him, but I knew who was going after him and trying to destroy him. And I knew that they should not get away with it after what they'd done to Robert Bork, who I did know and who was not anything like how he had been characterized. But the Bush administration didn't even push back against Thomas. They didn't. The Reagan administration didn't push back against Bork. They didn't know what to do. There's never any pushback. And there needs to be pushback. There needs to be, we're not going to put up with this. There needs to be an intolerance to this kind of takeover of our civil society. But there isn't. I can't tell you the number of blogs I've read over the years. Not going to name them because I'm not trying to shame them. Just being illustrative again. I've read people bravely write, you let them try that, like something that's happening. You let them try that. Who's got all the guns in this country? We've got all the guns. They don't. They don't even like guns. Well, where are all the people with guns? 
I know they've got them. I know that, I mean, sell guns, gun sales are going like, where are they? They're not pushing back. If there's no pushback, then, and if, if the pushback isn't seen, then people are going to get dispirited and think that nobody cares about this assault on the country. And this assault on the country is a full court press to change it under the premise that America cannot be fixed, America can't be corrected, America can't be redeemed, because our problems are original sin. They were baked in by the founding fathers. They cannot be fixed. Therefore, the Constitution of the country needs to be disbanded, thrown away, and started over with these people writing the Constitution. Now, I did get somebody writing about that who agrees with me. Andrew Sullivan had a piece that I saw over the weekend um, making the point that that is exactly what's happening. I've, and I've told you for for years when I, when I saw first saw Black Lives Matter and then Occupy Wall Street and recognize what's going on, the whole point is that there's no way anything that we will do that's oriented towards solving, resolving, fixing – one of these original problems will ever be accepted as such because it isn't the objective. The objective is not to fix what went wrong in slavery and pay reparations. The objective is not to go back and correct whatever happened in the early days of the country and fix it. The objective, my friends, is for these people to totally tear down and tear apart the country and transform it into something it was not intended to be. And they are hoping to be successful here by convincing you that it's not worth stopping them because you are in the minority and there aren't enough of you anyway. And the proof is you never see any pushback. You never see anybody responding. So you must be in the minority. You must be one of 10 people who doesn't care what's happening to your country. And 10 people can't stop this army that you see every day on TV. Like, it's perfectly fine to go to a Black Lives Matter rally in Brooklyn with tens of thousands of people. But don't you dare go to a Trump rally. You're going to be spreading the coronavirus if you go to but the Black Lives Matter rallies and the Occupy Wall Street. No, no, no. We're not going to spread any viruses there. You can go to all these anti-American rallies you want and there won't even be a virus there. But you go to a Trump rally and you're guilty of murder. Anyway, um, I got to take a break. There's another letter, email I got from a uh, listener that I want to share with in the same vein. And then we'll uh, unpack some of the news that's happened. Your phone calls are coming up. So hang on. Don't go away. Okay, so this is how it works. Now, the staff is all paranoid. I got to walk it back. I got to walk back what I just said. You really want to leave it out there that you expect people with guns to pick up their arms and go shooting these people? I never said that. All I did was point out that we've got all these braggarts out there writing at all these blogs that they've got all the guns. And if there's ever any attempt to take over the country, guess who's going to win it? Because the, the puke liberals are too scared to have guns and we've got the guns. So I said, where are they? Where are these braggarts who said they had the ability to stop this stuff? They're not showing up. It's not an advocacy for an armed anything. I'm just pointing out, you wonder why you feel abandoned. I'm trying to explain it to you. 
The reason why you feel alone is is somewhat understandable because you don't see any pushback. Not, and I'm not talking about armed pushback. That would be cut down. These cities that reconstitute their police forces faster than you can say McDonald's. So, but but the the point is is that there's a reason if you're feeling down in the dumps and depressed, it's because there isn't any pushback. It makes perfect sense why you would think you're the only one that sees what's going on. Okay, look, I got another break here, and I've got uh, that additional email from a friend that I want to share with you. So hang on, we'll be back before you know it. Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh kicking off uh, another brand new week of broadcast excellence. Folks, something you have to understand about all of this, whatever you call it, Black Lives Matter, uh, Chop Chaz, uh, Occupy Wall Street, what, what, whatever these these left-wing malcontent groups are, this is cultural as opposed to political. Now, it may be a fine line, but the battle, the, the, the uh, uh, controversies in which we find ourselves are cultural. These people are trying to force and intimidate changing modes of behavior. They are not they are not trying to imprint an ideology on people. They are attempting to use intimidation to force you to think and behave and speak in ways they demand. Because if you don't, you will be under their knife, their gun, their guillotine, whatever. You will be subject to their punishment. This is right out of the Chinese cultural revolution of Mao Zedong. Now, when I say it isn't political, it may be tough to separate the two because there is a political tie-in. It's to the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is in favor of all of this happening. The Democrat Party sees untold benefits to all of this happening. And this is what you've all got to realize the Democrat Party sees mountainous victory in this country being riven, roiled, and torn apart. The Democrat Party would not even object if the Constitution were thrown away and rewritten. The Democrat Party will do anything to get rid of Donald Trump. They'll fix whatever happens in that process later. But because the Democrat Party is encouraging this, people think, aha, it's got a political tie-in. To that extent, it does. But it really is, a, in terms of the reason why there's no pushback, it's a cultural phenomenon happening here. And when you talk about no pushback, where's the first place you would expect to see some? Well, for me, it would be elected Republicans somewhere, either in Washington or in Minnesota or in the state of Washington. But Rush, but Rush, they're so outnumbered. So... If there is no pushback from elected political leaders, then where is the inspiration for others? Most people are not leaders. This is not a criticism. Most people are followers. Leaders are very rare. And right now there doesn't seem to be, or there don't seem to be very many, that we can point to and say, yeah, Trump is it. Trump is it. And, of course, more on him uh, later. As the program unfolds. Now, let me get to the second email that I have been promising and teasing you about. Dear Rush, I cannot tell you how many people are terrified that we are losing voices. 
Tucker Carlson being boycotted by sponsors on Fox. So many people we used to be able to count on have now gone over to the dark side. The never-Trumpers seem especially energized. There are defections at the Fox News Channel. There now seems to be outright hatred for Trump among some of the people there. Names are mentioned here, but I'm not going to get into the distraction of naming names because it's enough to acknowledge that it's happening and that people are noticing it. And when they notice that, if when they notice that previous allies have now not just become neutral, but they've become anti-Trump, that's dispiriting as well. Well, the thing about things like this is whether there is direct confrontational in their faces pushback or not, you can find evidence of pushback. And let me give you some examples of it. And by the way, it's not organized. It doesn't have a leader. These examples I'm going to give you do not represent a movement that you can join. It's kind of like the Tea Party. If it appeals to you, you go out and do it on your own. And I'm telling you that hundreds of thousands, if not millions, are. May was a record month for gun sales, over 1.7 million. That didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened in the midst of all of this being ginned up. HBO. HBO decides to come out. You know what? We're going to really virtue signal you. We're going to really show you how much better than you we are. We're going to show you how much more we care. We are not going to air Gone with the Wind anymore. And by the way, as Democrats, I can understand why. That's the Democrat Party of the Civil War. That's what Gone with the Wind portrays. It portrays the Democrat Party running the Confederacy in the days of the Civil War. What, you you don't agree with that? So stupid to think what? No, it's not stupid at all. It's called virtue signaling. It's how they show they're better than everybody. It's how they keep BLM from tearing down their office building. It's how they keep all these college kids and all these virtue signalers out there from destroying them. It's about how... It's, it's cowardice. It's getting their, their business out of the way before anybody demands they do. So they get points for caring. But gone with the wind is exactly, if you want to know what the antebellum South was like, if you want to know what racism was all about, if you want to just watch Gone with the Wind, that's the, Dem- the Confederacy is a Democrat party. And by the way, that Confederacy was alive and well all the way through the 60s. Joe Biden was praising them and complimenting them when he first arrived to the United States Senate. Well, anyway, HBO can't ban Gone with the Wind. All they can do is say, we're not going to stream it. But guess what? It's now number one in Amazon DVD sales. Why do you think that is? Is it because a lot of people never heard of it? And think, wow, what's this all about? Got to go rent it or buy it to find out what it all about. No, it's not that. It's a number of things, but it's not that. One of the things it might be is people, oh, my God, oh, my God, I better go buy it. HBO is not going to allow it to be aired anymore. I better go buy it if I want to see it. There could be some of that. 
But no, I think it's pushback. I think it's full-fledged pushback. I think 1.7 million gun sales is pushback. Do you know how many people have signed up for the Trump rally in Tulsa on Saturday night? Right now, the active number is 800,000. The arena where Trump is going to be speaking, where, by the way, the coronavirus is going to spread to everybody, uh, is 20,000. The coronavirus is not going to spread to anything Andrew Cuomo organizes, like a nursing home or a Black Lives Matter protest in Brooklyn. The coronavirus, it it knows to avoid Democrat protests. It knows to avoid Democrat uh, gatherings. But it also knows when Trump is doing a rally and the virus automatically going to show up there. That's what the media is telling us. Pre-sign-up requests for Trump's Tulsa rally have exceeded 800,000. And everybody signing up knows that the capacity of the arena is 20,000. So why is that happening? Do not doubt me. There is the Trump base. Despite, I'm sure you've seen stories where a Trump voter is so embarrassed now, can't possibly believe he ever voted for Trump or she, and isn't going to do it again. I'm sure you're starting to see these. And they're designed to make you think that Trump is losing his base. And once that happens, it's over. But then you say 800,000 people sign up and and 780,000 of them know they're not going to get in. That is a statement being made. The Trump uh, campaign also raised a hell of a lot of money uh, in a, let's see, $14 million one day for Trump's birthday. $14 million in one day. And I don't know about where you live, but all on the waterways of South Florida, even up to Jacksonville, there were thousands of people on their boats out there. It was the crowdest, crowded boat situation I'd ever seen. People celebrating Trump's birthday, pushing back against all of the stupid, mean-spirited stuff people had said after Trump's West Point speech, which was fabulous. It's why I linked to it at RushLimbaugh.com over the weekend, because nobody saw it. Fox News carried it. None of the other networks did. It was... That speech that Trump gave at West Point contains elements that he ought to recite in every public speech he makes, every press conference. I'm not talking about doing a 25-minute speech. It contained elements, themes that Trump should continue to utter and stand for and stand behind. That speech took me back to Trump 2015, Trump 2016. This is what Trump has to do. Trump has to reignite the excitement of 2015, 2016. And that's, he's got a perfect entree for it. He is up against people. You know, in 2015, we, a lot of voters didn't know, per se, that the Democrat Party was actually interested in destroying America as founded. That is an abundant truth today. That is a hell of a thing to run against. Most Americans don't believe their country sucks. Most Americans don't want to believe their country sucks. Most Americans don't believe their country is fatally flawed from the get-go. What most Americans believe is that this is the greatest country that's ever been formed that it is not perfect, 
that it can be improved and has been since the day it was founded. America is improved. We got rid of slavery. We have we got rid of the women's suffrage issue. There's a number of things. And the Constitution was written so as to provide an avenue for some of these flaws to be addressed later. The Founding Fathers knew what they had to do to get this nation founded. They knew what they had to do to break away from Great Britain. They did it. They left a trail in the Constitution for fixing, repairing, perfecting, correcting some of the flaws that were there at the founding. And they did. And those flaws, in many cases, have been addressed. They have been fixed. They have been eliminated. They have been perfected, improved. with, And it's an ongoing process. But what most Americans know is that we're up against forces in this country who want this country destroyed, who want it torn apart, who do not want it built on or improved on, that there are now people actively in this country who think that it was flawed from the beginning, irreparably so, and have joined the movement that is designed to destroy it. That shouldn't be too hard to run against because most Americans do not think that about their country. Most Americans do not think that America is so deeply flawed that it is worth cashiering and starting over. They elected Trump. They sure as heck did. They elected Trump to save it. And that was just... Four years ago. My point is that these, there's another example, and I've, point, I've talked about this, the real estate listings and sales for suburban and rural homes outside Manhattan, outside Minneapolis. Andrew Cuomo doesn't know yet what he's done to his city. He doesn't know yet what this virus and the way he's dealt with it has done to his city. What people have learned, they don't have to live there to work there anymore. They don't have to go there to work there anymore. They don't have to pay exorbitant rents or prices or put up with madcap taxation in order to have a job in New York or Minnesota or anywhere else. And if you don't have to pay those rents, if you don't have to pay those uh, real estate prices, you don't have to pay those taxes, why would you? And more and more people are figuring this out. 20% of Minneapolis's real estate listings came after the rioting. People want out of there. Who runs it? Who is running these places? Democrats. In some cases, African-American. When you get police chief, mayor. No, my point is, they have promised to fix this stuff for 50 years. They haven't even made one step progress. Not one in all these years. Okay, let me sneak in a uh, phone call here as the first hour races by. This is Dave, Sugar Grove, Illinois. Uh, glad you waited, sir, and it's nice to have you here. Hello. Thank you, Rush. Uh, it's an honor to be on the program, and I uh, hope your treatments are going well. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, quickly, um, I want to say that I agree with you. I don't think there needs to be a organized, armed population as the pushback. 
I think that just showing any type of pushback would be great. But do you honestly think that in the ultra-liberal cradle that that area is, that people would do that? And also, do you think that this would stand in, uh, for example, in Texas, even in liberal um, cities like Austin, San Antonio, and so forth? Hey, wait a minute. I'm not sure what you're, you're, you're asking me if I would expect there to be an armed pushback in Seattle, which is a liberal cradle, you, you, and then... But maybe there would no, be I'm, in I'm Texas. Saying, I'm saying, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying that I don't think there needs to that there should be an armed, organized uh, population. No, no, wait a minute. I'm not calling for that. Yeah, that was right. not that was not my. I'm just talking about a bunch of braggarts who are letting people down who are not doing things they said they were going to do, and it leads to people thinking there is no pushback and it's dispiriting people. Right. Um, also, I, I know I have friends of mine on the left who don't even know that this, this thing in Seattle is even going on because of the way the media is portraying it. In other words, the, the media calling it um, something that it's not, that it's not, there aren't armed people, it's a, it's a, it's a farmer's market, or it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a summer of love, as the, as the mayor of Seattle put it. Right, yeah. And so one, your theory is that there, there's no pushback because people don't even know what's going on there. Right. One more quick comment. I think that the gun sales may not be as much of a pushback as more of a fear that their local police departments are not going to protect them. Still pushback, if you ask me. It's still a response to what they're seeing. No comment? I'm sorry, I, 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 my connection must have been bad. I didn't quite catch that. Oh, your connection didn't go bad. You just called to disagree. Okay, quick timeout. We'll be back in just a second. Do not go away. Well, they don't call it the fastest three hours in media for nothing, folks. The first one's already over. It's complete. And now we got to take a brief obscene profit break here at the top of the hour. We'll come back uh, revved and ready to roll on. Apparently, I'm going to have to continue to clarify what I say. It's, you know, it gets real frustrated to have to say everything I mean 10 times for people to understand it. But that's what it takes. I'll do it. Back in a minute. Yeah, I'm looking at things here, folks. I think there's more that I'm going to be able to get to today. So you may as well be making plans to be here tomorrow. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But I mean, I got more here I mean, if I just went audio sound bites, I got 55 of them. I can finish the show with if I started right now. Obviously, I got to do that. But before I go any further, I have to I have to offer some heartfelt thanks to Mark Stein and Ken Matthews for sitting in and holding the fort all of last week uh, and on on previous days when I have uh, when I've been gone, and I was made aware of what both of them. Um, had said about me uh, the, the the really over the top complimentary just just nice things they said about me and I I was <clears throat> I was deeply humbled uh, by it and uh, I was I was blown away by it and I I just Catherine uh, Catherine came home it was I guess it was Friday. And uh, told me what Stein had said, opening I think the third hour, and I I started uh, started choking up. So I I uh, I meant to do this in the first hour, and it, it it slipped my mind because I was so wound up in this other stuff. 
But I want both of them to know how deeply and greatly I uh, <clears throat> I appreciate it. More than they will uh, ever know. Okay, I just saw some videos. So there's a there's a massive rally in Atlanta, which is fine. Don't don't misunderstand. I'm just telling you that apparently the virus isn't there because there are people swarming together. And I'm not saying they don't have reason to. Do not anybody misunderstand. I'm just saying it's fascinating to me how the media can can urge everybody to go to one of these rallies, be it be it Black Lives Matter, be it uh, the new CHOP uh, demilitarized zone. Well, not demilitarized, whatever the, the hell they're calling this thing in Seattle uh, or at Occupy Wall Street. If that's happening, you go there. You go. You're going to be safe as you can possibly be. But let Trump think about a rally in Tulsa. And apparently the virus is going to be well aware and it's going to be lying in wait. And people are going to go to that, that, that rally. They're going to. They're is that Kellyanne Conway on Fox right now? You got to be. I shouldn't. Never mind. I didn't see it. I'm not saying anything. So I want to show you the picture. Not not of Atlanta. I want to show you. Uh, this is a rally for black trans Gender lives matter. Brian, put that picture up. This was a swarm of people at Brooklyn Museum Plaza. And look at the headline. Rally for Black Trans Lives Draws Packed Crowd to Brooklyn Museum Plaza. As Americans come together with Black Lives Matter protests around the country, activists have also put a lens on the lives of black trans people. They're totally in favor of it. Look at that swarm of people. Not a shred of concern about the virus. Not a shred of concern about COVID-19 or anything. The next story, I didn't I didn't send you this picture, so don't try to find it. There's a picture of Trump at one of his rallies. He's standing at the podium and there's a crowd behind him. And here's the headline to capture the picture. President Trump plans to rally his supporters next Saturday for the first time since most of the country was shuttered by the coronavirus, but health experts are questioning the decision. So you see, it's okay for BLM, Black Trans Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street, when it's okay for liberal Democrats to congregate and sardine themselves everywhere. That's so cool. That's fine. Let Trump do a rally. And somehow he's going to be responsible for murder. He'll be responsible for death. He'll be responsible for people getting sick. Amazing. And yes, I believe certain people, certain people notice it. Now, I want to go back very briefly to the comments made in the previous scorching. I mean, it was a scorching broadcast hour last hour about the concept of pushback. Uh, and I, I, I specifically mention Seattle because it's a place where something truly outrageous is happening. But it is a liberal enclave, and there probably aren't enough conservatives there to push back anyway uh, and to think they could do so safely. But, but there's an even larger question, and it's the other side of pushback. And let me see if I can, if I can phrase it. And, and Trump, by the way, who is the only person who is thinking about pushback and the only people who is 
the only person who is is actively engaged in it over the course of the last four years, he has to decide where's the tipping point for this stuff. For example, could it be that it is smarter to just let these blue state governors, like that Palooka, Jay Inslee, and these mayors, like the, the halfwit, Jenny Durkin, man, is it smarter to just let them do this? And let what they're doing be noted, be seen. Is it worth it for the stuff? Look at it as a stew. Look at this this area, formerly known as Chaz, now it's Chop. Is it perhaps more sensible? Just let this thing go on and pollute itself and essentially stew in its own juice getting worse by the day just to illustrate what happens when they get their wish. In other words, and I've, I've asked this question before, at what point does it become productive for people to see what happens when liberals run the show? Now, I'm a little frustrated because I think people should have seen this 25 years ago and 20 years ago and 15 and 10 and last year. Cannot tell you how frustrating it is to me that we are witnessing with all of these protests and all of this rancor, all of this anger, all of this unhappiness. It's all on the Democrat Party. It's in their states where they have promised people that this kind of stuff is not going to happen, where all of this stuff is happening, where it's failing. They promised people a veritable utopia. They've promised them that they're going to get even with the racists and the bigots and the sexists and the homophobes. But they're not. The racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes are still apparently running the show. These police departments run by, populated by Democrats, the police chiefs in many of these cities are African-American. They have been in charge. At what point does this become self-evident to people that all of these problems and all of these messes can be traced back to the Democrat Party. I don't think it is self-evident because of the media. That's why I spend so much time pointing it out. I don't think it is self-evident. The media is out there never once criticizing, ripping, or blaming Democrats. They're being as hypocritical as they've ever been, trying to blame it on you, me, Trump, us. You name it. So anyway, Trump has to balance this stuff because, you know, he said originally that if they didn't fix it, he was going to send federal troops in there. Well, let me ask you a salient question. There are now, what's the latest? There are 12 12 or more retired generals who have trashed Trump in concert for what happened to Lafayette Park. And they're all out there saying, if I'd have known, I wouldn't have gone. I think it was outrageous. I shouldn't have been used that way. That was politicizing the military. I can't see. I can't believe it. I did it. I think it's reprobate behavior. They're all out there trying to distance themselves. And the military was not used. It was the park police. Yeah, it's federal, but it was the park police. 
So what would happen if Trump, say, ordered a National Guard unit to go in there and restore order in Chaz slash Chop? You think they'd go or not? I mean, do we want the American military in open defiance of Trump? You know, he's got to be thinking about this, given the politics of all of this that they started so forth. So it's 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 still dicey. And I still think that it it makes sense just to let these people create their messes and their problems. I mean even in Atlanta. Crying out loud here. Now we have a Republican governor, but we've got a Democrat mayor. African American, African American uh, police chief. And all I know is, and it's been something that has befuddled me and interested me at the same time, the Democrat Party, folks, this is not an exaggeration. They have been promising for 50 years to fix. And that's how people, that's how they end up taking the black vote and minority votes for granted because they don't have to fix these things. They don't have to solve anything because these minorities are going to continue to vote for them no matter what. And so they don't fix them. But beyond that, it is also transparently, abundantly obvious what happens when Democrats alone run a city or run a state. It is not arguable. Media wants to call these things festivals, and they and they do. Fine and dandy. Let's go to the audio sound bites. This is this is kind of funny. We'll start with number one. This is Bloomberg Radio Network News, and this was Saturday. Some columnist for the Bloomberg Opinion website wanted to weigh in on me and conservative media and Trump. Once he's out of office, then which turns out to be a better marketing uh, approach for Rush Limbaugh or for any of these conservative, you know, there's so many of these conservative radio shows. Are they going to retain their audience by amplifying what Trump says? Trump's going to be out there tweeting, you know, whatever kind of crazy stuff he does. Is that the best way for them to go? Or is it better for them to retain a larger audience if they focus more narrowly on what Biden is doing or, you know, new up-and-coming Republicans. Yeah, once again, we have on full display the complete ignorance of the American media who still to this day, and despite years of me telling them how I do what I do and why, refusing to get it. Just as they refuse to understand how Trump won and who voted for him and who they are, They still labor under these misconceptions that this program is a marketing program and that I choose an audience that I want depending on who wins elections. Now, those of you who have been with me since the days of the 35 undeniable truths of life know that my success is not dependent on who wins elections. How stupid would that be? I can't control these idiot candidates. I can't control what they're going to say or do. Why would I attach my success to any one of them? And I, I never have. I'm not responsible for their policies. I don't have physicians on their staff writing policy. I don't want it. 
This this program will succeed and dominate no matter who wins the presidency. These people think that if Bill Clinton wins in, in 1992, they literally thought that was the end of me. Well, Russia's going to have nothing to talk about now. Bill Clinton won. This is going to be total repudiation of Limbaugh. Limbaugh has got nothing to say now because the guy he didn't want to win, in fact, won. Well, how silly and stupid was that? Then, and when Clinton ran and George W. Bush, when George W. Bush won in 2000, they came along and said, well, that's the end of Limbaugh. That's in a limbo. What's he going to disagree with? He can't disagree with it. They, they have just such a, such a total misunderstanding of how this show is constituted, how it's put together, what, what its purpose is, that they're already thinking, what's it going to be after Trump loses? What's Limbaugh going to do? Is Limbaugh going to stay loyal to Trump and have a tiny audience? Or is Limbaugh going to decide that he needs to let Trump go and become a bigger audience guy? Bigger audience. My folks were already up 44 and a half million, some days 50, according to our model projections here. And it's the same way that they continue to misunderstand uh, Trump. And I'm not even sitting here contemplating the outcome of the election yet. Because I firmly believe that the events that are going to shape the election haven't happened. You know, the best evidence of that was these clowns wanting to defund police departments. Nobody thought something like that would ever happen, and yet it did. That was a gigantic gift to the Trump campaign, to Republicans. Now, Democrats are out there saying, no, there's no way, there's no way we're going to defund the police. If you go back and look at their original comments after the subject came up, they were all in favor of it. And if they think, if they can pander for votes by continuing to suggest that we should defund the cops, they will continue to say it. Anyway, let me take a quick time out. We'll come back and resume right after this. Okay, time to take the plunge. We're not going to go back to the phones. For a second time, this is uh, Don in Salinas, Kansas. It's great to have you, sir. I appreciate your waiting. Hello. Thank you. I'm glad to hear you're back, Mr. Limbaugh. Thank you, sir. Uh, This is uh, my opinion here. What we prostrated ourselves, America, before the federal government over this coronavirus, and that has incentivized the left into skipping socialism and going for full totalitarianism. And that is why they're allowing their shock troops to run wild in areas that they control so that the propaganda arm and the media can tell us all, you see, independent thought and individuality is a virus. It causes racial disparity. It causes injustice. It causes us not to have national health care. If only you give up everything, stay prostrated in front of the federal government, we will groupthink our way to utopia. Quit thinking for yourself, because when you do, that's selfish. And when you're selfish, somebody doesn't get what they want. Hey, let me see if real. I... Whoa, 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 hold it. Let me see if I understand this. You think because the American people laid down 
and allowed themselves to be lied to and stayed home for two months and killed the U.S. economy, that that sent a signal to the left that they can skip socialism and go straight to totalitarianism. Yes, sir. It it told them, wow, look what happened. We we always wanted this, and now it happened. Let's take advantage of it. And they're doing that again by how? What they're doing is they are allowing their, like, Black Lives Matter and Antifa to go crazy in areas that they control so that they can tell America this is the result of the virus of individuality and independent thought. If only we all group think our way into utopia, this won't be happening. Everyone will be satisfied, and we will have a happy country. Uh, look, I'm, I know it sounds wild. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because you're, you're you're making you're making a jump from the coronavirus to the to the to the the I don't know what virus. Um, well, they, they, if you've been paying attention to the media, they're calling racism a virus. They're calling white privilege a virus. They're couching everything as a virus now because the coronavirus worked. So let's make everything else a virus, and then we can put the controls on. They're, they're already, even though President Trump is the president, they're All right, so, so and you think you, you think most people are believing the fact that racism is a virus that it that it's something getting into their system and once they get it that explains it. They're they're they racism, bigotry, homophobia are all viruses. You think people believe that? I think the woke people already believe that. The regular no, 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 no. What why what have I done to deserve this? And welcome back, Rush Limbaugh, and a brand new week of broadcast excellence. So uh, in the in the latest with the the kneeling and the flag, the National Football League, by the way, I just saw a story where a whole bunch of Dallas Cowboys players and Houston Texans players have now tested positive for coronavirus. I also read where Houston is thinking of locking down the city again and turning NRG Stadium into a hospital for COVID-19. Now, folks, if that happens... You can forget about the NFL playing in Houston uh, this season. But anyway, um, I'm not sure Houston's going to shut down. It's just a, it's just a story on the on the possibility of it. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the running back for the Cowboys, is one of the named players. He's asymptomatic, not feeling any effects of it. Is uh, is is doing well. But see, that's all it would take if they open the season. All it's going to take is one or two players on every team just just testing positive, and oh, that means quarantine them. That means shut everything down. And oh oh oh, oh. just it's going to be fascinating to see if the NFL can uh, can pull this off. But before we even get there, the uh, the NFL and the players, and now even some coaches are suggesting that we've got the green light to kneel during the anthem. And that most Americans are supportive of that. Most Americans will join us in kneeling. And they're saying something curious at the same time. They are saying, and I've heard them, hearing NFL players and commentators say that kneeling isn't about the flag. And they're, they're, they're admonishing us very, very, very strong terms. 
Don't make the mistake. You don't understand what's going on. If you think kneeling, if you think kneeling is about to flag, you are wrong. You don't even know what this is about. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then why are you kneeling? If it's not about the flag, then why are you kneeling during the anthem and when the flag is flying? Why not kneel when the ref blows a call against a black player? Why not kneel at some other strategic point, stop the game, shut it down? Really, but what, what, why, why, why kneel during the anthem and during the honoring of the flag if it's not about that? I know I'm stirring it up here, but this is a logical question that I have about this. They're all out there saying it ain't about the flag. And if you think it's about the flag, you just don't get it. It's never been about the flag. It's never been about the country. Oh, it hasn't? That's right. It's always been about the racist cops. No, I'm sorry. It hasn't always been about just the racist cops. But I'm not trying to open a can of worms. You know, some players kneel after the game. Have you noticed that? You know why they're kneeling after the game? They go to the 50-yard line. They form a circle. You know why they kneel? Because they're praying. Religious players from both both, both teams, both sides, go to uh, midfield at the end of a game and kneel. And it's crystal clear what they're doing. Nobody is offended. Well, you know, other than the atheists. Nobody's offended. Nobody raises a beef about it. Nobody thinks it's any kind of a protest. It's just a bunch of religious players taking a knee and praying. Kneeling during the anthem, that, that's, that's taking a knee on far more than a police issue. Everybody knows it. Symbols mean things. How many people associate a police department with flag? I never did. I mean, I see the flag all the time. I never once thought, wow, I better honor the police department when I saw the flag. It never occurred to me. But if players want to try to tell us that we don't understand what the flag and the anthem represent, then they can. It's their business. They can do it. I saw the coach of the Houston Texans is a guy named Bill O'Brien. And he tweeted, let's see, well, I don't know if he tweeted. He said three days ago that he will also kneel with his team this year during the anthem. The coach will lead the team in kneeling during the anthem. And I assume this is... Uh, this is every game. Snurdly, do you think there's going to be an NFL season? You do. Do you think there will be? And will it start on time? And will there be fans in the stadiums? You do. Okay. You think so, Brian? Starting to have doubts out there. Do you believe that most Americans think that racism and bigotry is a virus that they've caught? You don't believe that, okay? I just wanted to. I just wanted to check. Who's next? Seattle. Ah, Laura. Great to have you on the program. Welcome to the EIB Network. Hello. 
Hi, Rush. Thank you. I'm a little nervous, so please No, no, me. no, please. You have no reason to be nervous because I'm the nicest guy that you could ever speak to on the phone. I know. I met you one time, and you were wonderful. So, um, so anyway, my comment is, you were, I'm listening, you're talking about pushing back. I, again, I'm, my home is in called the Seward Park area, which is about six miles um, south of, of this area, this Chaz or Chop or whatever they want to call it. And I'm one of a few conservatives in the greater Seattle area. And Rush, we, we push back by voting, okay, which obviously hasn't been enough. Um, and my answer now is we push back by taking our money out of that damn city. I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry. We take our money out of that city. Quit paying, take our money out of, take our taxpaying dollars. And my husband and I cannot get out of there quickly enough. And there are many, many, many people just like me. And, and I guess my only hope is I hope that the liberals who keep voting these socialist um, city council members and King County council members and our governor and our, although our mayor, she wasn't voted in, she was, the old mayor was kicked out. She's, anyway, that's my hope is that finally they're going to wake up. But for the time being, take your money out of that city. Well, I have a personal anecdote. You know, I left New York before it was fashionable to do so. I took my tax dollars and came to Florida, which didn't want them, which is one of the reasons I came here. And you you would be stunned if I were to tell you how much money in state taxes I saved, i.e. didn't have to pay by moving to Florida. This happened in 1997, 1998. Well, at some point years later, uh, there was a governor of the state of New York whose name escapes me. That's right, David Patterson. And uh, uh, a somehow this whole subject came up at a press conference. And a reporter said, are you worried that there will be more people leaving the state like Rush Limbaugh did uh, back in 1997, 1998? And the, and the governor said, if we had known that we could get rid of Limbaugh before that, we would have raised taxes sooner. My point is, they're not going to miss your money because they'll just go elsewhere to get it. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to influence you not to do it. I think what you're doing is great. Don't misunderstand. Mm-hmm. I mean, take, take your commerce. That, that, that's what you're going to do. If, that, if that's what pushing back is, you're fine and dandy. I'm just telling you, these people, well, are, they'd be more than happy with the fact that you've left. Well, the other pushback I did when all these rioting started, um, I actually had the audacity to hang my U.S. flag on our house. And it was, I, I let it hang there for two or three days, and my husband took it down, and he said that there was reporting um, on our local conservative station there. People were setting houses on fire, Rush, who were hanging their American flags. So he took it down. So that's what happens. I mean, I would love to go into the center of Capitol Hill there, waving my flag and absolutely showing. It. I'm so angry, you can tell. And, but, Rush, I would be killed. I know I would be, and I'm not willing to die for this. Yeah, well, I I understand that. Okay. Well, and, and I'm sorry, my daughter, uh, she wants me to say hello to you. She loves you. Oh. She loves you. Well, that's very that's very sweet, and I appreciate it. I appreciate okay. it more more than uh, more than you know. All uh, right, thank you so much. You bet, you bet. On this on this pushback stuff. Uh, when you were growing up, folks. Did your parents let you do whatever you want? If you broke a window, did they congratulate you? 
Did they bring you in and say, gee, what are you mad at? I hope you won't do that again. Um, go to the bank and borrow some money to fix it. What happened? Or, and especially if you did it on purpose, if you did it in anger, if you broke the window because you were mad at them, what did they do? Um, any other example? Like you're, that I see this as adults versus versus kids. Now, in this case, the kids are really mean, and they do have weapons, and they do have the ability to nullify police departments because they have the power of the Democrat Party behind them. But they're a bunch of childish, immature kids who are being allowed to flout the law, who are being allowed to flout convention. They're being allowed to totally rewrite, reconstitute American culture. And there isn't any pushback against it for you heard her say it's not worth dying for i'm i don't, I don't want to lose my life so there are people who are convinced these people will kill them there are people who are convinced that they will set their houses on fire that's a pretty successful campaign if you ask me for a bunch of people who have to steal what they've got who have to loot who have to destroy places and break in to get what they have, that's a pretty powerful bunch of people who can make you fear for your life. And stop and think, in in America today, the people who instill fear for your life are the people who are deferred to and coddled by Democrat liberal governments. And we go back to the phones. It's Luann. Luann's in East Dubuque, Illinois. Welcome to the EIB Network. Hello. Hey, Rush. How are you doing? Glad to talk to you. First time caller. Great to have you here, Luann. Glad you got through. Yeah, I'm calling you about this weekend. I had ordered a Trump 2020 flag, and I wanted to hang it on the front of my house. And my daughter says, boy, I just don't think you should be doing that right now. She says, with all this stuff going on, she says, Mom, I know you want to show your pushback, that you're not happy about things, that you back Trump 100%. But she says, I just don't think I'd be doing that. You just don't know what's going, going to be happening. I think there's a lot of us out there like that, Rush. We want Trump to know we're behind him a gajillion percent, but we're just that little bit afraid. Yeah. I know. In fact, let me share this story here from from Breitbart News all the way back on uh, June the 9th. Four homes in the Sun Garden neighborhood of Citrus Heights, California. Citrus Heights is part of the Sacramento Metroplex. Four homes in the Sun Garden neighborhood of Citrus Heights, California, were reportedly targeted early Saturday morning. Each of them was displaying the American flag. Police are asking Sun Garden residents to assist them in identifying those responsible for setting fire to four American flags on Saturday morning. Authorities have yet to identify a motive. Authorities have yet to identify a motive. But in each case, the flags were specifically ignited. But damn it, the cops can't figure out why anybody would do it. I think you probably know, don't you, Luann? Oh, gosh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's their, it's their pushback on us. That's what that is. Well, I know a lot of people are, are afraid of that. Um, 
So the the intimidation is is working. And I look also, I mean, the, the fact, let me tell you something, folks. I mean, this is undeniable. So here comes the coronavirus and here comes a task force and here comes everybody involved. And many of them are wearing respectable white lab coats. Uh, and many of them have the uh, the credibility and the imprimatur of expertise. And they're all saying, you got to shut it down. you got to shut it down. If we don't shut it down, 2.2 million Americans may die in a totally made-up, false computer model projection. But what happened? The American people were dutiful. The American people responded. The American people shut down. Some remain shut down. Going on into the fourth month now. And those states are blue states. Those states are Democrat states. Now, if you happen to be a totalitarian Marxist, if you happen to be a leader of the Chicom Communist Party, if you happen to be Vladimir Putin, if you happen to be a ranking Democrat, it would not escape you how easy it was to convince the American people to destroy their economy. To destroy, in some cases, their own businesses. You would have to think, my God... This is the easiest thing we've ever done. We didn't think something like this was possible. But after four months of it, you really couldn't blame these totalitarians if they're salivating here over how easy it was. And not only how easy it was, look at how little time it took to destroy a three-year economic recovery. It took... That didn't even take a month. We were at recession slash depression unemployment levels in the first month. We have so far printed either six or eight trillion dollars to pay people to remain locked down and shut down. And what message does that send, by the way? That hey, we can you you, you don't have to go to work. Hey, you don't need that business. Hey, we can make sure that you have everything you need by never working again. Look at what we've done for you. And we protected you at the same time. You are not going to get the virus if you do what we say. And now, if you know where to look, you will see that there are renewed calls for a second lockdown based on record numbers of new cases in a few states. They're going to try it again. What will we do then? Will we go along with it again? I got to go. Quick break. We'll be back after this. I thought Trump's uh, speech to the graduates at West Point Saturday morning was particularly good. I ordered it to be linked at RushLimbaugh.com. We have four excerpts from that speech ready to go in the audio sound bites that I want you to hear at the top of the next hour. Back here before you know it, folks. All right, look at this headline. This is from uh, Fox 29 in Philadelphia. It's from yesterday. Philly, Philadelphia city leaders denounce group 
defending Columbus statue in South Philadelphia. So I guess the idea of pushback ain't going to happen. Because now what we have, we have city governments denouncing groups who are trying to push back. Somebody, a group probably of Italians, trying to defend the Columbus statue. Philadelphia city leaders denounce them. City leaders have denounced the actions of a group of people spent the weekend and early hours of this morning defending the Christopher Columbus statue in Marconi Plaza. Those guarding the statue against vandalism were countered on Sunday by groups who denounced Columbus, despite some tense moments and profane comments. The crowds remain mostly tame. Okay, so this, I guess I'll give up on the idea of pushback. I've been talked out of it. Ain't going to happen. I have learned my lesson. But I'll tell you this. There's some things that happened during this lockdown, so the coronavirus lockdown, before all this other crap sprung up, there's some stuff that happened then that I really hope some city officials and local, state, federal law enforcement were taking notes. Explain what I mean. I hope that local, state, federal law enforcement authorities are now going over whatever intel that they have, video informants, and I hope they're keeping track of as many perps as they can. And I hope that at some point these people get charged. Same with any violent organizations and their funders. Because, folks, like I just shared with you, we now have mayors and governors undermining law and order. They are siding with the lawbreakers. And they're all Democrats doing this because it is all about betraying Donald Trump. It is all about getting rid of Donald Trump. There is nothing that is extreme. There's nothing that's wrong. Everything. If you do it to get rid of Trump, it is admirable, including betrayal. Anything in the service of removing Donald Trump is worthy of support and applause. Including mayors and governors undermining law and order by siding with lawbreakers. So the federal role, the federal role needs to be rethought here. No, 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 no. I'm not saying unleash federal power. Look, My point is this. We've seen mayors and governors before these riots. I'm talking about before the George Floyd circumstance. These mayors and governors were using law enforcement to threaten and punish peaceful protests. These are people that wanted to go to church. Remember Michigan. People wanted to go back to work. They wanted to open their businesses. They were peaceful protests. They wanted to attend church. They wanted to open their stores. They wanted to get back to work. And we have seen some of these same mayors and governors withdraw, remove, and undermine law enforcement when it came to violent protests. They let the violent protesters just run roughshod over everybody. And when it came to the peaceful protesters, they were run roughshod over. 
And they were mischaracterized. They were claimed to be violent. They were said to be uncouth. They were said to be destructive. And all they wanted to do was go to church or open their businesses or go back to work. And they were peaceful. The peaceful protesters, the so-called peaceful protesters, they were treated much differently when their goals were overthrowing this or that. Then they were supported. Now, here's President Trump. I happened to watch his uh, his address to the graduating class at West Point on Saturday morning at uh, 1045. I almost missed it. I thought it was uh, these things were done in the afternoon. I didn't also... It was, the president's first such appearance. And they tried to say that that's uncouth. It's, Trump has no business going to West Point. Why not? He's a commander in chief. Well, well, we don't like Trump. He's politicizing this. And then he stands for the flag. We don't like the flag. This is, this is horrible. We don't think Trump ought to be. By the way, I have to give a shout out to the superintendent of West Point. This, what a great guy. He introduced Trump and uh, addressed the, the graduating class of of 2020, and I, this is so bad, I've, I'm, I'm not getting his name, and it's not coming up in my uh, deep, dark crevices of my enviable memory. Daryl, 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 I'll get it in a minute. Just the, the kind of guy you'd like to meet. The, uh, the kind of guy you'd like to get to know. And anyway, Trump delivered this speech. And it was fabulous. And it, it contained themes that I was saying to myself, these themes, some of these themes need to be voiced in every Trump appearance, be it a press conference, be it a rally, be it any. When he goes out to visit a company to praise them for work they've done to help with the coronavirus, what these themes, these principles need to be constantly mentioned so they become readily identifiable. With him, these are the things that he did make a huge deal about during the campaign of 2015 and 2016. I'll give you some examples. We have one, two, three, four audio sound bites, and here we start with the first one. I want to take this opportunity to thank all members of America's armed forces in every branch, active duty, National Guard, and Reserve, who stepped forward to help battle the invisible enemy, the new virus that came to our shores from a distant land called China. We will vanquish the virus. We will extinguish this plague. I also want to thank the men and women of our National Guard who respond with precision to so many recent challenges, from hurricanes and natural disasters to ensuring peace, safety, and the constitutional rule of law on our streets. We thank every citizen who wears a uniform in selfless service to our nation. So there he is emphasizing the guards' role in the war on the virus from from China, keeping peace in the streets. Daryl Williams is the name of the super general. Uh, 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 I don't remember now his title. Is it Jet Lieutenant General Daryl Williams? Uh, introduced Trump, and you, the kind of guy you just got the impression that the that the cadets love this guy. They probably scared to death of him at the same time because he's the authority. And I guarantee to you, they would never push back against this guy. But he was uh, just had one of these obviously charismatic smiles, 
and uh, and personalities. Here's the next uh, soundbite from Trump's speech on Saturday at West Point. The survival of America and the endurance of civilization itself depends on the men and women just like each of you. Depends on people who love their country with all their heart and energy and soul. It depends on citizens who build, sustain, nurture, and defend institutions like this one. That is how societies are made and how progress is advanced. What has historically made America unique is the durability of its institutions against the passions and prejudices of the moment. When times are turbulent, when the road is rough, what matters most is that which is permanent, timeless, enduring, and eternal. Remains so. And that is so correct. Do you realize how few institutions Americans trust anymore? You realize how big a problem that is? Forget pushback. There are Americans who no longer think it's okay to trust. Take your pick of a federal agency, State Department, whatever they think the deep state is. The military, even the military, when they make it obviously political, when it becomes abundantly clear that the military has generals in it that hate Trump, what does that do for for people's confidence in the durability and the eternal, long-lasting durability of that institution. It is crucial that America hold Some people say, oh, we need, we need constant change, Rush. Uh, we can't stay mired in the past. No, no, no. Staying mired in the past is not what I'm talking about. When you have venerable institutions which provide public confidence and trust, and particularly in the all-important area of defending and protecting the country and the people in it and the Constitution, it is crucial. And I'm telling you that there is a vanishing number of institutions that people hold in respect. The judiciary, how long has that been so politicized? I'm going to go down the list of things. Congress, it it is a dwindling number of institutions. Trump is exactly right. When times are turbulent, when the road is rough, what matters most is that which is permanent, timeless, enduring, and eternal. That's what matters most. You know something else? We don't have the bite for it. But he talked about the cadets. He told them how special they are. There were 1,107 in the graduating class. And he pointed out they could have gone to any University in this country, on scholarship. They could have gone to the top-notch schools, but what did they do? They chose, not West Point, they chose defending their country. Big deal to Trump. Patriotism. They chose defending their country. And he made it a point to ask them to stand up and give their families, their parents, their grandparents, their guardians, their fiancés, Thanks throughout all of their lives for supporting them to make the dream of attending West Point and graduating from the place a reality. Uh, My family has a West Point graduate, my cousin Dan. Proudest day in the family's life when Dan was admitted to West Point. 
became an immediate star. It ended up being a professor, a law professor there, uh, for a while afterwards. And uh, it's a big, big deal. And it is, it is one of the greatest sources of pride to this day for families when their children get into this place. Same thing with the Naval Academy. Same thing with the Air Force Academy. They're all revered because they're all timeless. They're all eternal. Nobody thinks the American military is going to lose. Nobody thinks the Navy is going to get sunk. And that's what I mean by timeless and enduring with with constant faith. But it was it was abundantly clear how rare the opportunity to attend West Point Naval Academy Air Force how rare Trump knows it is how rare the achievement of, of, of lasting and graduating is and he was abundantly clear in how much he appreciated it on all of them we got two more bites here's the third one it was this school that gave us the men and women who fought and won a bloody war to extinguish the evil of slavery within one lifetime of our founding. It was the graduates of West Point, towering figures like MacArthur, Patton, Eisenhower, and Bradley, who led America to victory over the sinister Nazis and imperial fascists. 75 years ago, it was under the leadership of West Point graduates, like the legendary General Matthew Ridgway, that the Army was at the forefront of ending the terrible injustice of segregation. It was Army strength that held the line against brutal opposition and oppression from communism. And it has been thanks to patriots like you that America has climbed to new heights of human achievement and national endeavor. And it would not be a Trump address, particularly to the U.S. military, without a reference to the American flag. They did it because they believed in the undying principles of our founding. They did it because they cherished their homes, their faith, their family, and their flag. And they did it because when they came to this school, they were taught to hold fast to their love of our country, to cherish our heritage, learn from it, and build upon it. That is what young Americans are taught here at West Point. That is the legacy that you carry forward as second lieutenants in the United States Army, and you must never forget it. I think that if in every Trump speech, appearance, press conference, wouldn't take much, just a, uh, a reference to some of these enduring values, traditions, institutions, the things that would hearken people back to the campaign of 2015, 2016, for which Trump is singularly identified and attached. You'd never hear a—Hillary Clinton never said one word approaching any of this during the campaign of 2016. Hillary Clinton was out ripping into the basket of deplorables or what have you. It's not, it's not called for in Democrat politics to praise the military. You just don't do that.
They don't criticize the military as much anymore, not nearly as much as they used to because they think they run it now. When Democrats, when the left takes over an institution, the criticism of it stops, obviously. And they think they run the military now. So there's not nearly as much institutional criticism, but they still can't bring themselves to praise it. Not like Trump can. And I'm telling you, if, if, if Trump could trace his way back. No, Rush, you can't recreate the past. You can't. Trump's been there four years. He can't. You can't go back to where nobody knew Trump. No, well, not, not nobody knew him, but, but nobody expected him to run. He was fresh. You can't, you can't make somebody fresh that's been around for four years. That's my point. You can reignite the reasons people voted for the guy in the first place because they are as important today, if not more so, than they were in 2015. All right, it's uh, it's uh, time to go back to the phones. And this is Gloria in Houston. It's great to have you here, Gloria. Thank you for waiting. Oh, great. Thanks for taking me, Rush. It's an honor to speak to you. Thank you. I just wanted to add a comment to what you were speaking about earlier about uh, the NFL coming back, uh, you know, full strength into some of our big cities. I live in Houston, and, you know, we have the Houston Texans here. Our mayor just a few minutes ago on our local uh, radio announced that we were not going to have a 4th of July celebration uh, in Houston this year. And we usually have a gigantic one. It's one of our biggest celebrations. But he had allowed all of the, you know, rampant protesting and some burning and looting and all of that stuff go on in our city, uh, that we can't have our celebration. It's going to be virtual. And I'm just wondering if he's going to let the NFL... Now, uh, doesn't that just tick you off? Yes, they can go ahead and cancel the 4th of July. We can't yeah. have that, but let, let these protests and malcontents go ahead and wreak havoc however they wish. Yeah. Oh, it does. But but I bet you the mayor, mayor he's a uh, far-left Democrat, Sylvester Turner, I bet he lets the NFL open up really quick because that brings a lot of money into the city. So, yeah, a lot of people I know are just furious about it. It's just, it's, it's I mean, how, how much longer are they going to keep taking all of our, our patriotic holidays and the things where people gather? Yeah, I know, exactly. And we're letting it happen. Sorry, letting but we're happen. letting it happen. You know, everybody's, everybody's, I know what everybody's waiting for. Everybody's waiting for Election Day, November. They're going to vote for Trump. That's going to be the pushback. That's what everybody's waiting for. That's what they can't wait to do. And that is going to constitute pushback. So when they vote for Trump and re-electing Trump, that's what they think is going to be the pushback. And all of this stuff is going to stop. And the bear's not asleep. He's got one eye open right now. Uh, all of us, all of us out here. Wait, who has one eye open? The bear, <laughs> the sleeping giant of all these people out here that you know we've about had enough. I think it's just getting past ridiculous. Yeah, I know. You, 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 well, no, no, actually, you haven't about had enough. That's that's my whole theme today. But I don't mean to pick a fight. I'm just telling you, everybody's waiting for Election Day. That's going to be the big pushback. I know it. My good friends, some online fraudsters are having a field day with the latest attempt to obtain your online data. They are delivering emails disguised as a COVID-19 report, claiming it's coming from the Johns Hopkins Center. The Johns Hopkins Center has the uh, accredited website tabulating state, local, and worldwide numbers of cases and deaths. 
and it enjoys a great reputation. So fraudsters are de- designing and delivering emails looking like the COVID-19 report coming from Johns Hopkins. And the real motivation is to get you to click on the link that they put in the email. Because if you do that, then malware will be planted on your computer moments after you click that link. And what happens then is that an alert is sent to the cyber thief saying access to your machine has been achieved. And then they simply do what they do to access the malware that's on your machine and they go get your address book and your password manager and they try to get every bit of data they can. And you have no idea it's happening. It could be happening while you're using your computer and you won't know it. All because you clicked on a link that you thought was official. It is identity theft in pure form. And protecting you from this kind of attack is exactly what LifeLock is all about. They have online identity theft protection, scans the web all the time, 24-7, looking for evidence that your information is being used illegally. And they can tell that by the amount of activity on your account and measuring it against the form they have, the, uh, the template they have that shows your average usage. And it'll show up. If a cyber thief is accessing your machine in the malware plant, it'll show up. Then they'll send you an alert, alerting you and advising you this has happened. They've got a restoration team. They'll get in touch with you. And they won't stop until whatever went wrong is fixed. Now, no one company can prevent all identity theft, but there's nobody that is able to do what LifeLock does anywhere near as well as they do. They're the best at helping detect foul play and in helping you shut it down and restoring your good name. They're in a league of their own, folks. Sign up at LifeLock.com. Use my name when you do that, and you'll save 25% off your first year's membership. That's LifeLock.com. Here is the Trump soundbite from the West Point speech to the graduates in the class 2020 where he let them know how special he thinks they are. Every graduate on this field could have gone to virtually any top-ranked university that you wanted. You chose to devote your life to the defense of America. You came to West Point because you know the truth. America is the greatest country in human history. And the United States military is the greatest force for peace and justice the world has ever known. Bingo. Absolutely right. It has never changed. That has always been the case since the founding of the country, the United States Army, and the rest of the uh, military branches. It has always been the case. We do not conquer. We liberate the oppressed. We do not take territory that is not ours. Well, we took back Europe, but then we probably gave it back to who owned it. Europe, France, Great Britain. We, we, well, we liberated what the Nazis had taken. And the world knows this. The greatest force for peace and strength in the history of the world. Joe Biden... Last Wednesday was on the uh, Comedy Central Network, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. I like these guys have two first names. 
You know, sometimes it's Noah, Trevor, sometimes Trevor, Noah. You never know which name's first. And he was his guest was Biden, and he said, you may have people coming out in many places to vote for you, uh, Mr. Vice President. We saw in Georgia, if those people's votes aren't counted, then your entire campaign may be moot. If the Republicans run a cheat voter fraud campaign on you, now, what are you going to be able to do about it? What's the plan up until November to make sure people can vote? It's my greatest concern, my single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. <laughs> this is a guy who said that all mail-in ballots are fraudulent, direct, voting by mail, while he sits behind the desk in the Oval Office and writes his mail-in ballot to vote in the primary. We have four chiefs of staff coming out and ripping the skin off of Trump. And you have so many rank-and-file military personnel saying, whoa, we're not a military state. This is not who we are. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House in a, in a, with great dispatch. Now, you know what is fascinating about this? It is the Democrats who refused to accept the election results in 2016. You know, there's Hillary Clinton in the last debate claiming, you know, asking, well, actually it's Chris Wallace. Mr. Trump, if you lose the uh, presidential campaign, will you will you accept the results? And Trump said, hell no. I'm not going to tell you that tonight. I don't know what the hell's going to happen between now and the election. I'm not going to tell you tonight. You want me to concede defeat tonight? I'm not going to do that. That then began. Trump will never leave. He will claim he won. Trump will not. He was going to destroy our democracy. And then what happened? And it's still happening. We're into the fourth year of the Democrats trying to get rid of Trump on the basis that he cheated and stole the election when there's never been a shred of evidence for it. So now here comes Plugs stupidly saying that he thinks Trump is going to be the guy who will not leave office. What's going to happen if Trump wins? These people are going to go. I don't know how they get more insane, but they will. If Trump wins in November, I, I, I shudder to think I'm going to love it. But you have no idea what these people are going to do. And not not just plugs or whoever is running for the Democrats. And I don't expect him to be on the ticket, frankly. I'm just telling you. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it to the ticket, to the, to the, to the election. Somebody's going to do something to make sure that he doesn't. No, no, no. I'm just, they're going to find a way to replace him. This guy, I don't care. There's a poll out today showing Plugs with a 14-point lead. Plugs doesn't have a 14-point lead on anybody. What's happening is Donald Trump is losing to himself by 14 points right now. Trump is not being beaten by anybody. And that is a singularly important point. I'm not trying to be confusing. I'm not trying to be funny. Trump is losing to himself right now. But I don't even think he's losing. I don't believe this this business. I think polls taken right now, I, the, the polls taken right now four years ago had Trump losing in a landslide just as they do now. He's not going to lose in a landslide. And when he wins, uh, these people are, I, what else and where else can they go? They have already plunged the depths of depravity deeper than we knew existed I wouldn't be surprised if these people, like Plugs is referring to it, you know, call call General Milley at the Chief Joints of Staff and call these military people and run a coup and just get Trump out of there. Everybody knows he lost. Everybody knows he was supposed to lose. Everybody knows there's no way he could have won. The results are fraudulent. They'll do whatever. It'll, it'll blow your mind.
it's going to be amazing to watch. And I'll make another prediction. I think however the election turns out, <laughs> there are going to be people on both sides that don't believe the result. The Democrats have already destroyed the integrity of our elections. Not Trump. The Democrats. The Democrats and the media have already made people believe that the Russians affect the outcome of every presidential race. And the Russians affect the outcome of elections in the UK and Brexit and you name it. But I'm telling you, four years of the media running this scam operation that Trump stole the election is a traitor, was a Russian spy being run by Putin, that the Russians affected the election, the Russians meddled in the election, the Russians stole the election. That affects people. There are a bunch of liberal Democrat brain-dead citizens who believe every syllable of that. And consequently... They already believe that the 2020 election cannot possibly be legitimate. And for that, we owe the Democrat Party. They have devoted four years to destroying the honor and the integrity, the reputation, the image, whatever, of the American presidential election system. Don't doubt me. If we can't, this is not even arguable. And so it, 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 it's – in fact, there's a story I had there, – there was a CNN. I made a note of this. It was the middle of last week. And CNN did an interview with somebody. When Trump loses in November, what's he going to do? How's he going to not go? And so there's some expert, some quasi, quote-unquote, expert, giving us expert commentary on how Trump will not leave – how Trump will not vacate the Oval Office, how he will not vacate the residence of the White House. I mean, it's absurd. As though it is a foregone conclusion that Trump will not leave, when in fact it is the Democrats that refuse to accept the election results. I actually think... That if Trump loses the election, which I don't think is going to happen, that if he lost the election, I don't think he would make one unless there is demonstrable fraud that he can point to and prove. But the, 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 but the, real, the real thing is that you realize there are going to be voters on both sides who are going to refuse to accept the results. And that is on the Democrat Party. Righty then, we go back to the phones with a squeeze in John here in Bradenton, Florida. It's great to have you, sir. Hello. Good afternoon, Al Rushbow. Good to see you back. Thank you, sir. Uh, think about you every day. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I just uh, watching Charles Schwab uh, golf tournament yesterday, and you know their horns they have for the uh, the weather. Not a cloud in the sky, and they stop and for a moment of silence for George Floyd. Right. Now, what I get upset about, I got upset immediately when I hear that for George Floyd. I know he he was no angel, but he didn't deserve to die that way. That's for damn sure. Now, they don't ever do that for one of our dead soldiers coming back, our wounded soldiers, our dead cops, our dead firemen, or any person that walks into trouble. 
that's what upset me more than anything else. Well, I'm sure you understand why. It's yeah. the it's the yeah. same reason it's the same reason there's no pushback. It is it is simply thought to be the path of least resistance. Uh, and and the way for corporations to end up not being threatened. I mean, this is Charles Schwab, Chuck Schwab is CBS. Uh, they want to make sure that uh, not only were they not targeted, that they were they were singled out for praise and so forth. So it was. I mean, it's no different than these corporations jumping on climate change and trying to say that their their paper towels now uh, are made with brand new green technology, the greatest solar panels in the history. It's all marketing. It's all designed uh, to make customers think that they're responsible and good citizens and all that stuff. It's um, it, it, it just it's it's it's. So understand. I I noticed something else in that golf tournament. Yes, I, I I can't I can't mention. I shouldn't even have said what I said. But I'd love to, but I'm just not going to. You know, man, that's right, that's right. But I would be letting myself in for so much crap, and I need to get a couple shows under my belt here before I am willing to accept the crap that would come this way. John, I appreciate the phone call. I have a couple more sound bites I want to squeeze in here. Mark Milley, who is the uh, the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. This was Thursday. National Defense University delivered a pre-recorded video commencement address. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. As a commissioned uniformed officer, it was a mistake that I've learned from. Deep state not going to give up. Now, to put this in perspective, I want you to listen to a soundbite from Rick Grinnell, the former ambassador to Germany and the guy who declassified all those transcripts from Adam Schiff's stupid little hearing. He was uh, he was on Tucker Carlson a week ago tonight, and he talked about these kinds of things. These generals and military people disowning Trump. We have a real problem in Washington D.C. because it's a system that is no longer really Republicans and Democrats pushing against each other to create a good policy. It's no longer a fight between Republicans and Democrats. It's a fight between Washington and the rest of America. It's like musical chairs from one agency to another. There's no outside thought. There's no outside perspective. When someone like Donald Trump comes in and says, why are we doing it this way? They attack him because he's breaking the system. He doesn't play by their rules. Exactly, folks. This is exactly, this is what pushback looks like. I've always told you. And Trump is the one guy doing it. And they don't, they don't like it. They don't they just don't know how to put up with it, but they know that they hate Trump and they want to get rid of him. And Grinnell is pointing out why Colin Powell, all these other Mitt Romney running around joining the Biden campaign when they would never, ever do that. Except for their hatred of Trump, it's because Trump is still pushing back and trying to drain the swamp, meaning he's still succeeding. Well, that's it. We're out of here for today. Fastest three hours in media over, but. There's always more. 
And that'll be in 21 hours. Thanks, all of you, for being with us. Thanks for your well wishes. They are always appreciated in more ways than you can possibly imagine and know. Have a great rest of the day and be right back here same time tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.